Earlier this week, in the morning, I was reading the paper when I learned about the likely new leader of the Environmental Committee in the Senate. The legislature is a man, the legislator, it's a man who compared the EPA to the Gestapo and denies that humans have any role in climate change. This potential new leader, he said that global warming can be beneficial to mankind, leading to improvements in the environment and the economy. And the more I read, the more upset I got. So I put the paper down and I was walking through the courtyard here and as I was walking, I saw a person who was engrossed in their iPhone and they looked up from their phone, made eye contact with me and they asked me, how are you doing? And without a pause, I said, I'm really upset, but how, how are you doing? Now this soul looked at me with a big smile and said, I'm great, have a great morning. And immediately went back to looking at her phone. I was not gonna have a great morning. I was upset. And I felt incredibly invisible at that point. I had not been heard. Forget being heard, I wasn't even listened to. I gave an honest answer to the question of how I was doing, but I couldn't break through the draw of the other person's phone. And then, as seems to happen more often than not, when I opened the Torah for this week's Torah portion, I found a situation in it which looked incredibly similar. In this week's Parsha, Vayera, we see Abraham being in the presence of God at the, entrance of a tent, at the entrance of his tent, when suddenly he jumps up and he runs to greet some strangers. And when I was studying this Parsha with Rabbi Beth this week, she pointed out that it appeared as if Abraham was distracted, just like the person that I encountered with yesterday. <coughs> Abraham is sitting in the presence of God, but he gets a text or a tweet and he has to run and check his phone. <coughs> now the rabbis, they're concerned about this. And they try to understand why he leaves God's presence so abruptly to meet these strangers. What is more powerful than being in the presence of the ultimate? And the only way that I think we actually can understand this Parsha and see what is going on is by taking a pause and trying to understand what Judaism is trying to teach us about our role in living in relationship to God. Because if there's anyone who's going to be a character who is in deep relationship with the divine, Abraham is a fairly good example. So the first thing we need to do is to ask what it means to be in relation with God. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, he addressed this in an essay he wrote in 1951. Heschel, he points out that most people come in contact with the ultimate when their self-reliance is taken away when they reach a crisis in their life. And I cannot tell you how often, when I was a chaplain in the hospital, I saw this. I found that every person that I interacted with in that hospital building was deep and profound. If, given the pressure to reveal the depth of their souls. Now people often say that that person, that one over there, he's shallow. But what I learned in the hospital 
is that there's no such thing as a shallow person. What crises they do to people is they force their souls to rise up to the surface like bubbles from the depths of the ocean. But Judaism, it does not rely on the loss of self-reliance or seek a crisis to come in contact with the ultimate. Rather, Judaism's goal is to instill within us a way to be in contact with the ultimate every single day. Our service tonight, what we've done up until this point, it's designed to shake us awake and to make sure that we are aware of the ultimate. The Mari Varavim is placed in the service to remind us that the miracle of creation just happened when the sun set and the sky darkened. It reminds us that when the sky darkens, it unveils the universe that beckons just beyond the blue sky. And in the darkness, there are shining sparkles of light burning from the stars deep in the vacuum of space. We use these prayers and these services to enable ourselves to connect with the ultimate. But when we connect with the ultimate and we're reminded that I am not just an I, but a part of the we and a part of the everything, suddenly my concern changes from being solely focused on the self to realizing that myself is inextricably linked to everything and everyone around me. So when I see injustice, injustice is no longer about something happening to them, but rather it's something happening to me. It's something happening to us. It's something happening to the ultimate. This is why Heschel said that when we are connected to the ultimate, injustice becomes a metaphysical calamity. When I hear that the man who's overseeing a committee whose aim it is to care for our physical world thinks it's beneficial for our world to warm and the oceans to rise and upset it stirs inside of me because I'm no longer just concerned about the ocean or the droughts, but I'm concerned about the interconnectedness of all of us. But being connected to the divine and aware of its light around us, it does not only lead us to a place of fear and upset, but it also leads us to a place of seeing happiness and internalizing the overwhelming joy around us. This is why whenever we see a wedding couple come up here on the bima and we give them their rose and their mezuzah, there's this unbelievable mazel tov that comes from the congregation, almost more joyful than the couple standing here because we know what we're seeing. We know the potential we're seeing. We know what the future holds. This is why members of our community who no longer have kids at home, I see them every single day stand in the courtyard and watch the preschoolers run around. And they stand there with their mouths open with this sense of awe on their face. And it's not that the adults are running around, they're not, they're just standing there. The reason they're smiling is because they're witnessing a new generation experience the sweet nectar of childhood. We can just touch it. But in all of these experiences, we only engage with the ultimate when we're no longer looking down at our screens. But we start looking out and open to the divine in the universe. It's in all of these cases when we're not asking others, how are you doing? as a flippant transactional greeting, but rather enabling those four powerful words to be our gateway to a hint of the divine. 
I like to think that Abraham did not look away or leave God's presence, but merely was an individual that was op so open to the universe that he came to realize that the divine was not only at the entrance to his tent, but in the eyes of the souls of the strangers that were approaching. If he was open enough to ask and to truly listen to them when he said, how are you doing? My challenge for each of us on this Shabbat is to look one another in the eye and ask that four-word question. But before any of you answer, take three seconds and just pause and think and then share where you really are. Don't just say, I'm good. And if someone says good, ask them why. And if you're the one asking the question, don't forget who you are talking to. That's what made Abraham so unique. He never forgot that. He kept God and man in a singular thought. That is our challenge. That is our calling. Shabbat Shalom.